right, welcome back to another episode of Leap Into Wellness. Um, I'm your host, Kyle Pfaffenbach. I'm a nutrition and physiology professor here at EOU, and we do this podcast uh, as part of our outreach and efforts with uh, health and wellness uh, at LeGrand School District. And I'm joined today by my co-host, Anya Schooler, and we have a special guest, Laura Insko. Laura is a uh, HHP student that's getting ready to finish up, and uh, she's here for a couple weeks helping us uh, with some data collection and teacher testing, and we're really happy to have her. So welcome in, Laura. Thank you so much, Kyle. So today, we are going to be talking about sleep. We've talked about sleep kind of vaguely in previous episodes, and so we decided that we're going to do a two-part series going into sleep hygiene, circadian rhythm, good sleep habits, factors that influence sleep. And the way we're going to format this is we're all going to try and think of questions about sleep that we have and that you might also have to try and shed some light around sleep topics because I feel like everybody wants to learn how to sleep better. And, and real quick before we get started, I, I just want to make sure we, we sort of set the expectations and set the stage. My expertise is in nutrition, uh, mainly physiology, uh, energy production, sports performance. Um, as part of that, sleep, sleep is really important for all of those things. And sleep is a component of each of those things. So I do have some, I, I think, uh, knowledge about sleep that's worth like sharing and discussing, but I'm by no means um, uh, acting as if, or please don't make the assumption that I am somehow a, a fully trained expert in the area of sleep. I think that you have helpful information to share though, and I think Laura and I do too, so I'm really excited for this. Totally agree. All right, so let's get into the questions. Let's start it. All right, so Laura, you're our guest on the podcast today, so I wanted to throw it over to you and have you start us off with our sleep topics. Absolutely. Um, I guess if we just start with the basics, physiologically, what happens when we're asleep and why does that make sleep so important? Yeah, so this is a really good question and it's, and it's super interesting because so we're not the only species that sleeps we're not the only species that needs sleep. Um, and humans need, different humans need different amounts of sleep. But sleep is really, really important for a host of reasons. And what's, what's interesting about it is that we, we run basically off of a 24-hour clock. And our physiology is integrated on this 24-hour timetable. And what's even more interesting than just that, like as the whole system running off a 24-hour timetable, is that our cells also have rhythm. It's, this is called circadian rhythm. So this is the body's internal clock. And cells, even within themselves, have their own circadian rhythm and their circadian clock. So one of the reasons why sleep is required, you'll, you'll hear people say, oh, it regenerates us. It, it, it helps us organize our thoughts. It's when learning takes place and a lot of things like that. Well, there, there's a lot of things that our body needs to do to function well that we don't have the capacity or bandwidth to do when we're awake. 
because physiologically we're doing other things. And so when we go to sleep, now's our opportunity to do that house, those housekeeping chores and that daily maintenance that we need. And so uh, we have this circadian rhythm, we have this circadian clock, and when we sleep, we different hormones go up, some hormones come down, brain waves change, um, organs go into a, a different sort of state. There, there, there's a lot of, you know, it's too much to just sort of sum up in one, one thing, but in just a general way, we operate physiologically on a 24-hour cycle, and sleep is a really big part of that 24 hours. Kyle mentioned something called circadian rhythm, which was connected to the 24-hour rotation of the Earth. I think that's a super interesting element of sleep. And it's super cool that we have a clock inside of our body that regulates the function of cells, that causes fluctuations in hormones. It changes aspects of metabolism. Circadian rhythm itself is controlled a lot by light. The internal clock that Kyle was mentioning is an area in your brain. So, so I'm going to jump in here because like, I want to make sure that we're not giving the impression that there is like a physical place where this clock resides in our body. So, so the, the clock is built into each of our cells and different parts of different cells respond to, to different signals that are released at various times of the day. And so like in regards to what Anya was saying, and she's absolutely right, there's, there's different parts of your brain that respond to the natural daylight cycle um, of a 24 hour period. And when we're exposed to light, like bright sunlight, for example, that is sensed in, through a variety of different ways, not just in one area, that is sensed in a variety of different ways. And the physiologic processes that follow it, or, or occur in response to that, um, they, they're unique to when we're in light. And when it gets dark, there are, it, it's just the opposite. There are certain physiologic signals that sense that darkness and, and put us into a different state. And so it's not just one place where the clock is. The, the circadian clock is the rhythm um, of all the cells that are functioning as a whole uh, to make you, you. So my question coming from that is, does circadian rhythm change throughout the year when the lighting changes, or is it consistent, and are we supposed to adapt our light to our circadian rhythm? Super good question. Uh, so it changes throughout the year, and, and it is, this is really interesting because the circadian clock can be disrupted if we're awake when our body wants to be asleep and if we're sleeping when our body wants to be awake. Now we can adjust this to a certain extent. Um, and what's also interesting is that the circadian clock is not set from birth until death. It changes a lot, particularly with age. So children, like babies are on a different circadian clock than toddlers that are on a different clock than children. Teenagers is one of the big ones because as we get towards adulthood, our circadian clock shifts later. So teenagers uh, are not just being lazy when they want to stay up late and sleep in late. That's the way their clock and their rhythm is during that age range. And as we age, our clock gets earlier and earlier in terms of we get tired earlier in the day and 
we wake up earlier in the morning. And throughout the year, there are a lot of changes and adaptations. And a lot of these um, are related to where we live from a longitudinal standpoint. And so, or latitude, I should say, a latitudinal standpoint. And so at higher, like closer to the poles, there's longer and shorter days depending on the season, and that absolutely affects circadian rhythm. And what's interesting is in modern, in modern times, we travel so much and, and we move around so much that maybe a group of indigenous people uh, has a circadian clock that's been adapted over generations and generations for uh, short days in the winter and long days in the summer. But if I, being from Ohio, just moved to Alaska, I would have a much more difficult time because that is not, and it, it's probably more generational than just you moving one place or another place, but um, circadian rhythm is why it, we get jet lag. Uh, that's another moving time zone. So longitudinally, in that sense, would be accurate. As we move across time zones, we have what's called circadian clock disruption. And, that, and we know that we can adjust after being in a place for a certain amount of time um, and that is our body's ability to adjust to the light cycle into the rhythm of the place where we are. But for some people, they have circadian clocks that don't fit well with where they are, and that can lead to a number of issues. So there's things like seasonal affective disorder, which happens a lot in gloomy p places, especially in the wintertime with short days, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. So other than natural light and jet lag, what are some other sources of circadian disruption that people should be aware of that can affect sleep? Yeah, I mean, you're teeing me up here, but, but the most obvious one is artificial light, right? Because, you know, we, we didn't, um, we evolved to, to sort of function off the natural light and dark cycles of the sun. And then, uh, you know, Shout out to Edison and those before him. But we now have uh, uh, in it, we have uh, artificial lighting, right? So we sit under fluorescent lights all day. We have artificial light in our, and that changes people's clocks in different ways. It allows people that are what are called in the literature night owls to stay up later, and they usually like to sleep in later. And then you have early risers. And those are real things that are set genetically. If a person likes to sleep in in the morning and they just find it very, very difficult to get up and get going in the morning, it's not because of a moral failing <laughs> on their part or a lack of discipline. They liter their clock is not set up that way. And so I think this is really important to discuss because for people that are night owls, uh, but function in a society where we have to go to work early in the morning or get up for kids early in the morning or things like this, this can be a big source of circadian disruption. We have mentioned this in previous episodes. I think we should talk about this a little bit. Artificial light from like fluorescent lights and overhead light isn't the only source of light that can throw off your circadian rhythm. Blue light from screens is also a big, um, has a big impact on circadian rhythm. A good action item to bring for today would be to be aware of sources of artificial light within the 30 to 60 minute window before you go to sleep. Because that has 
large impacts on the production of melatonin, which is an, a hormone that ideally would be secreted at higher concentrations when it's getting closer to your bedtime. But being exposed to all this natural light and throwing off your circadian rhythm stops that melatonin production, and it prevents you from feeling sleepy. Yeah, this is a really good point. And, and again, there's going to be varying levels of sensitivity to these things. So there, um, and, and these are kind of fun experiments to do on yourself. So for example, th there are features on most phones and computers that allow for a night screen. A n it's called a night shift screen. And they remove the bright kind of blue tones and they make the tone of the screen much warmer. And though that's going to reduce the type of blue light that, that Anya was talking about. And so that can be one thing. The other thing is you can wear particular glasses that filter out that blue light. I'm wearing some right now. Okay. So, so Anya has very normal looking clear lenses on that filter out blue light. You can also just buy orange, orange colored lens sunglasses because the orange uh, blocks out the... And uh, when I was experimenting with this, the, the cheapest version of these that I found were these massive UVEX safety, orange safety goggles. And so for like three weeks, I was walking around my house. As soon as the sun went down, I was walking around my house with these huge like <laughs> safety glasses that were orange on. And my wife was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> you can't be like walking around in those glasses. And what, what's interesting about it is it turns out that if I track my sleep with a sleep tracker, like a like a Apple Watch or a Whoop meter or something like that, it didn't affect me at all whether I had uh, the blue blocking glasses on or not. But um, when I was done experimenting with them, my wife ended up using them, and she is really sensitive to them. So now she walks around in big uh, blue in, in big orange glasses and. Yeah, so these are things that you can kind of experiment with, and, and it's just one, one quick, tiny little step. Um, I want to go back real quick, and um, I want to go back real quick and just touch on what Anya said about melatonin. So melatonin is really important, and a lot of people just know of melatonin from the supplement melatonin that you can supposedly take, and it will help you sleep. And then for some people, it does do that, but... What you really want to do is, is ha before you start supplementing with melatonin at various times, you really want to think about what the impact of that might be. And you also want to get to know what sort of your individual melatonin rhythm is and, and what it's like. And so the way melatonin works is that we, we have, uh, we, we have uh, receptor, cellular receptors in our retinas, in our eyes, that are sensitive to light that are not responsible for forming images. So these are called non-image forming retinal sensors. And we, and this is why it's, it's actually quite interesting because people that are visually blind but still have their eyes in their head have circadian rhythm. That's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, right? And so what happens is that as light, as we get exposed to light in the morning, that light can pass through our eyelids and activate these uh, non-image forming cells in our eyes. Those non-image fo forming cells in our eyes go through our ocular nerve and they transmit a signal to this very cool sounding part of our brain called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. So it's called the SCN. Did you read about this? I did. Okay. I didn't say it because I thought it would be 
too long of a word. It's I'd so never, cool, though. Yeah, I never said it out loud before, so I was scared to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so the suprachiasmatic nucleus then uh, modulates the, the suppression or the release of this hormone melatonin. So when, when light is infiltrating our eyes and the SEN is activated in this way, melatonin starts to come down and activating hormones like cortisol and, and testosterone and things like that start to go up. And that's what brings us out of the sleep state and, and makes us feel awake in the morning. When we, uh, on the flip side of that, in the evening, what happens is that melatonin starts to be released. And what really seems to time this is the time from when melatonin was suppressed in the morning. So there's, from my understanding, there's basically uh, about a 14 to 16 hour clock that starts once you're awake to when you have what's called melatonin onset. And artificial light and those types of things can delay melatonin onset. And if you delay melatonin onset, then when you finally do fall asleep, you have a longer period of time that you need to, you're gonna sleep in later the next morning because there's a certain amount of time that melatonin likes to be up. I know we got in the weeds there a little bit, but, but I think this stuff is, is interesting because it, it gives you context for how your body is feeling at different times throughout the day. And it really ties in with a lot of the stuff we've talked about already, which includes mindfulness and being aware with your body and checking in with your body and those types of things. And so it's, it's not something you wanna curse your body for feeling tired at certain times during the day. Now you can just realize, oh, this is my circadian rhythm and I need to find um, uh, maybe, are there ways that I can adjust my schedule or habits in order to, um, take advantage of this in, instead of fighting it all the time. Right, and I think that thinking about this in terms of the factors that affect it throughout the whole day, thinking of it as a 24-hour cycle instead of just what you have to do for like a short period of time before bed is really interesting and really informative. Yeah, and, and this gives us insights too into some other things like that the afternoon crash that everybody thinks about, for example. like. That's, we, a lot of people naturally have a dip in testosterone and a dip in cortisol later in the day. And that is, is sort of related to, and we, we see this a lot in athletes and, and circadian rhythm is really tied to, so, so different athletes have what are called different chronotypes. And that's like when they work out the best during the day. And a, a lot of people this matters for, because if you, if the only time you can work out is at night after your kids have gone to bed, you might not have the same performance as if you were able to work out earlier in the day when some of these circadian rhythms made for it. There's been really interesting studies done where different levels of activity, the same activity feels harder at different times of the day depending on the individual. And it's not a moral failing, like Kyle said earlier, it's not a willpower thing. It's literally tied to your physiology. Yeah, this is this is super important in my opinion because, like, uh, I am a late riser. I'll speak I'll speak for myself. I'm a late riser. I do, I have to get up early, and I've sort of forced myself. And we can talk about in the next episode. We'll talk about some things you can do 
to actually adjust your circadian rhythm um, to, to try and optimize it in a way that's balanced for your life and the way the, the demands that you have. But if I had my own choice, I'd probably sleep till 10 every day and stay up until like one or two every night. But, but I don't have that choice, so I, so I have to make sort of these adjustments. But there have been times in my life because I think I'm a fairly productive individual, but what society suggests is that productive individuals get up early and get everything done. They wake up, they're ready to go, they get their workout in, they get their walk in, they, they're showered, and they've done more than you've done even before. It's pretty funny. My, my father used to joke uh, when I had to get up early, he would say, did you even know there were two six o'clocks in a day? <laughs> he didn't even know. It, it was probably more like there were two eight o'clocks in a day. And... Uh, yeah, and, and this makes a this can make a really big difference. So it's really important to realize, okay, I have to be in at work by 7.30. I don't like it. So when during the day can I find time to get a little bit of exercise and and you know what types of things can I do in the evening and what types of adjustments do I need to make on the weekend so I'm not so thrown off by what's called social jet lag, which is where people stay up later on the weekend, sleep in later on the weekend, sometimes indulge in uh, adult beverages and things like that that can disrupt sleep. And you end up getting circadian misalignment. So like not feeling like yourself on Monday is it's because you, from a circadian standpoint, you basically took a cross-country flight over the weekend. Laura, Kyle said he's a night owl. What do you feel like your natural sleeping pattern is, if you could choose? It's interesting because I don't think I'm a night owl or an early bird. I, I could sleep for 12 hours a night, so and I think that's just my circadian rhythm, and I'm just learning to uh, work my life around that and uh, adapt it as I need to. Yeah, the, the most famous, my favorite person to talk about when it comes to this is Kobe Bryant, because he famously... Um, uh, and, and I've talked about this in class, I've talked about this on other podcasts, like he famously could function as a professional athlete on three hours of sleep at night. It's crazy. And he would get up at 4.30 and train, and then he'd have breakfast with his children, and then he'd go to the facility and have morning practice with the team, and then he would lift, and then he would take a little nap, and then he would get ready and play a game, and then you'd come home and have dinner. And then he's like from like, you know, 12 to, from 12 to three or 11 to three, that's like my time. That's when I do reading, I watch movies, I, I take time for myself, I go to bed at, I go to bed at three, I get up at five or six and I do it all over again. And he did it for like a 15 or 16 year career. And it, it's just the way he's built. And I'm more like Laura as well. Like I could sleep 11 or 12 hours a night. What about you, Anya? You're a morning person. I'm a morning person. I was just You're one of keeping those. quiet. Yeah, as Kyle was talking. It's like, I'm not going to say anything. No, I think that's, I'm jealous. Do you need a lot of sleep? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You guys are young too. And young people need more sleep then. One of the biggest, like, you know, this will relate to, to teachers um, and, and there's actually certain school districts around the country that uh, are offering now much later start 
times to because they just know we we have the evidence that this significantly impacts like learning and behavior and tiredness throughout the day and all the different things that you see you know half your kids in the morning are are rearing to go and they're doing great and they're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and and especially at the high school level half of them are still they're walking in in basically in their pajamas and they're just trying to stay awake throughout the day and this type of schedule like 7 30 to 3 and then practice and then they don't want to go to bed until 12 or 1 and it becomes very very difficult you you rack up sleep debt very quickly well we've covered a lot in this podcast i think we should wrap it up laura do you have anything else you did great laura she's sitting here very quiet (laughs) We kind of threw her straight into the, uh, yeah, we threw her straight into this. We just told her today, you're, you're going on a podcast with us. I'm so glad Laura's here. Yeah. She's helping me so much with the research that we're doing right now. It's awesome. Thank you so much, guys. It's <laughs> awesome. Kyle, do you have anything else? No, just uh, start thinking about your sleep. Be aware of your sleep. That's your action item for this week. Just start thinking about When do I feel tired throughout the day? When do I feel like I'm sleepy? Do I fight it? Do I um, do I give into it? Because there are a lot of little ways that we will talk about next week where we can make small adjustments to get through those periods. Because when you have those lulls or when you get tired or there's lots of things you can do from a scheduling or exercise or even diet standpoint that impacts circadian rhythm. So we'll go from there. Nice. All right. We'll be back next week with more on sleep. All right. Thank you.